Hey, do you guys mind calling me Grogu from now on? Absolutely not. Do you guys think I could be Grogu? Oh, of course, Grogu. What the fuck, man? Welcome in to the Bro for Squad podcast, where we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching TV and movies. This is our review of The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 5, titled The Jedi. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Joining me, as always, is the American hero Nate Thurmond and the mad scientist Brian Banner to review this episode as we do all of our TV episodes on the four Bro for Squad criteria, which is the acting, the story, our favorite scene, and then any theories or questions going forward. Let's dive right into it with the acting and cast, Brian Banner. Dare I say, perhaps the best single performance we've seen so far on The Mandalorian? Too much? Too little? Uh, it might be, man. Wait, might we be all too know, much. <laughs> we all know yep. I'm very hit or miss with Rosario <laughs> Dawson. I... I, I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with her. I think she's a good actress. I just don't really like her in anything. But I can see why people do like her. She was fan-fucking-tastic in this. She did Ahsoka Tana justice from the animated shows. I know that some people didn't like the fact that she got casted where she was essentially a fan cast. So it's kind of a weird situation. But Rosario Dawson absolutely nailed it. Out of the fucking park. We've been waiting forever to see Ahsoka Tana be live action and it did not disappoint the way that she was kind of reluctant with the force and kind of beat it around the bush with the fact that like hey I'm not a Jedi but you think that I'm a Jedi and never actually saying she wasn't one but never really saying she was either just she just did such a great job of kind of keeping anything close to her chest but still being Ahsoka Tana that we know and love from the animated show. Absolutely. She did great. I can't say enough nice things about her. It is really weird because Star Wars fans, I mean, obviously like the last half decade have kind of got a reputation for being sort of toxic and I guess a little bit ornery. So we all bitch that we want Rosario Dawson to play Ahsoka Tana. Mm-hmm. Then I guess there's a camp that bitched when we actually got her. That seems really weird to me. Yeah, there was a... Yeah, there was today's a, society. There was a small faction of people that wanted... Um, I believe her name was Jessica Eckstein. It's David Eckstein's wife um, who voiced her in the animated shows. There was mm. a faction of people that wanted her to be able to act uh, the live action Ahsoka too, which I, I understand. Like she essentially all, created that. And she has all the backstory and the feelies for it, but she doesn't really look the part, unfortunately, which I know that's kind of weird saying because she's a fucking alien, but <laughs> that's a I good mean, thing. I'll, I'll, Close out acting with my thoughts after I let Nate go. But another uh, nice little intro or character we had introduced here was Lang, played by Michael Bean, who of course is Kyle Reese in The Terminator. Which uh, check out our movie commentary on that. And Corporal Hicks in uh, Alien and Aliens. So eh. sort of a kind of a cult classic actor in Michael Bean. And then I also thought Diana Lee uh, 
Inosanto, who played um, Elspeth, who was basically like the commander or the ruler of that town. I thought she had some really good scenes, too. I just thought the acting all around in this episode was one of the strengths. What did you think, mm-hmm. Nate? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Michael Bean, also one of my favorite Westerns. Tombstone, he played um, Johnny Ringo as well. Oh, so I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a cool tie-in. Obviously, he's <laughs> presumably dead right now. I don't think he's coming back, but it was a nice little little cameo jump in for him. But um, I mean, I think I think the theme for this one is going to be uh, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tana. I mean, she took over the episode, and it's one of those that not even watching Clone Wars, but just getting into the backstory of Ahsoka Tana and her importance in the Star Wars canon, like the hype around it was so much. And we've been talking about, well, when are we going to see her this ep- this season and all this? And it's crazy because I was like, I hope the hype isn't too much. It wasn't because mm-hmm. she went above and beyond. Um, and I know we'll get into some other things um, that she had done and probably some of the, the best scenes, but um I thought the fight scenes were, were great with her in it, so I don't know if there was stunt double used or anything, but some of you could tell was her, so um, that was awesome. And I just think, yeah, she played it perfectly. I, I really can't say anything more than that. Her interaction with um, with Baby Yoda, now Grogu, and the Mandalorian um, was fantastic. Yeah, she was so strong in this performance. I think even if you had seen Clone Wars, she still did a great job of presenting kind of that allure and that mystery behind Ahsoka Tano and how she ended up on Corvus and obviously she has seen some shit. I mean like basically the entire fall of the Jedi Order and everything that happened on Coruscant. I mean she was right there involved with all of it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's before we even get into obviously her backstory with Anakin which might even be the most interesting part of her character. Mm-hmm. But really what this made me want is like you could give me an Ahsoka Tano spinoff series with Rosario Dawson yesterday and I might even dig that more than the Mandalorian. I mean. Oh I would. I would 100% want that more than, than a Mandalorian show. There was a rumor that they were going to do an Ahsoka Tana movie at one point, mm-hmm. and I was super jacked about that. Um, so I'm <clears> excited <throat> how well she did with that potential of her getting a spinoff show or even a movie, miniseries, web series, anything. The more I get of her, the more I want. Yeah, so I definitely want more. And that actually segues uh, pretty well into the story and plot. So before mm-hmm. we get into this... The plot synopsis, according to IMDb, is the Mandalorian and the child continue their journey through a dangerous galaxy. And uh, this one, relatively straightforward, at least in terms of the setup of the episode. So Mando goes to Corvus, of course, at the uh, guidance of Bo-Katan to find Ahsoka Tana. He introduces her to Baby Yoda, which we now learn is Grogu. And then, of course, kind of the very similar plot device the show uses is in order to get something from... Ahsoka Tano, he has to help her, in this case, take out the Magistrate on the uh, planet Corvus. And, Banner, we'll go to you first, because this episode was written and directed by Dave Filoni, who obviously has been kind of one of the go-tos for The Mandalorian and Jon Favreau. And I think it goes to show you this was an episode that they knew was incredibly important, and as a result, they gave it to... I mean, he's basically being groomed as, like, the top prospect for Lucasfilm, right, Dave Filoni, right now? Yeah, he's gotta be. I don't... I would love to see them give him a trilogy. I mean, before we get into story, let's talk about Filoni a little bit because he deserves all the credit in the world for this. I would love for them to give him a trilogy. I just think his value is in the TV show realm. So I see him being a showrunner for an Ahsoka Tana movie or, uh, or excuse me, a showrunner for an Ahsoka Tana show or even the Obi-Wan Kenobi 
show or movie or whatever the fuck that's going to be, seeing him very intricately involved in that, giving him three feature films is not where they're going to get the most bang for their buck with him. He needs to have these shows to develop things. So we have to remember his background is in all animation. This is what maybe his third live action thing he's ever directed. I think he did two episodes last season. And then now this episode, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. <clears throat> so for him to but he do this was the showrunner of clone Wars. So he was the showrunner of Clones. I believe he was, at least partial showrunner of Rebels as well. I know I know all Clone Wars was him. But mm-hmm. for him to do this live action and the way this this was shot and we'll get into this a little bit more in best scene but the way he used the fog and different like lighting elements and just the way that the entire episode was was shot and lit is I mean it it looks like he's been doing this forever and he hasn't been. I mean 100%. Really, and he's that was a novice. That was- was one of my thoughts like seeing that opening scene is like the way they're using this and like this is 100% on the director the way this being shot and the camera angles and all this kind of stuff it was phenomenal and and that kind of leads us into story like you said Jeff this was arguably the most important episode to date of the Mandalorian you're bringing in Ahsoka Tana and you're kind of coming at a crossroads with Grogu's story uh, now, or formerly known as Baby Yoda, the artist formerly known as Baby Yoda. We're gonna have to go forward, and yeah, just it's gonna it's gonna feel weird at the beginning, but we're just gonna have to go Grogu from now on. Yeah, we have to force this Grogu uh, <laughs> yeah. thing on us. But yeah. this episode is super interesting to me because of how far they go in. We learn more about Ahsoka, but yet there's still mm-hmm. a lot of mystery there, and how she can connect with Grogu and communicate with him, and how we learned how he survived order 66 and the fall of the Jedi. And it's just a really, really interesting episode. They get into why Ahsoka doesn't want to train Grogu because she saw the fear in him, which mm-hmm. is what she saw and felt from Anakin, which we all know the, the historical uh, significance of that. So it's, I don't know. I was just blown away by what they gave us and what they left us with at the end of this episode. So much was was told, and yet I still have more questions leaving. There was so much of Ahsoka Tana's dialogue that there was so much more behind it. It was awesome. Like hearing this, like, oh shit, that's it's so connected, and all the things that that were behind the words that you really had to kind of sit back and thinking like, Oh shit, that was obviously in reference to her relationship with Anakin or something else that you may know in the background. It was, it was awesome with the dialogue that they used for her and how she communicated with Mando. Yeah. And, and Banner real quick at the end of clone wars, uh, I you know, I haven't seen the entire series. Does it explain how she, ends up on Corvus because obviously there's a big time gap there. I didn't know if that was another. No, so she's actually in Rebels as well. So which is closer to the time of this, which is closer to the timeline. Yes. So we see her in Clone Wars. Obviously, that's pre Anakin's uh, turn to the dark side. Then we see her right before a new hope, right before Rogue One and all of that time frame. So we don't necessarily know exactly what she's been up to, but we have a general idea. And then now we're seeing her. Uh, in between these next set of of trilogies, so one, it's... Thing, one thing that does kind of have me worried, though, and this is what Nate brought up uh, after episode one regarding Timothy Oliphant, 
the way that the story ends now, she's sending Mando to Tython, presumably. I mean, is this all we're going to get of her this uh, season? Because I really hope it isn't. But Yeah, that, so <clears throat> I know I, I'm feeling the same way. And I um, have a theory that I hope will put your mind at ease. Okay. Yeah. I feel like out of all the sidekicks that have been kind of brought back or, or brought up in this season, Ahsoka Tana's got to be the one that, ha- that has the most merit of bringing back for some significant portion of the plot. And we'll get into this at the very end in theories and questions, but at a certain point, this show, especially this season, it's kind of fallen into that like you know trope that Lost sort of drowned itself in, where you're teasing a lot of stuff, right? you got to focus on a few of these plot threads and actually pull on them. Because if we have too many loose ends, at a certain point, you're just going to start to piss us off. And I'm talking Boba Fett, Thrawn, Darksaber, the Mandalorian Civil War, Moff Gideon. Now we have Ahsoka and the Jedi, Tython and Grogu's lineage. I mean, all these things are out there. How many of these are we going to get resolved this season? Because at a certain point, it's going to start to get annoying and frustrating. If you keep exciting us about stuff, don't actually follow through on any of it. Yeah. Are Are we getting nine episodes or eight episodes? I believe eight. Okay. Eight. Maybe yeah. Eight. Let me double check that. Yeah. Nate, I just looked what, it up uh, the other day. It is eight. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all right, Nate. What'd you have for best scene? <clears throat> um. So there was an obvious one. I'm gonna leave that for someone else because I know someone else want to take it and 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 have fun with that. But the training of Grogu was a great scene. Um. In my opinion, it was probably the second best. I know the fight scene at the end was great as well. Um, but just the training of Grogu, it had so much content in it and it had kind of that first development of training a Jedi, which we've seen so many times in the past. And now we've got someone who's not technically a Jedi who's supposed to be possibly carrying out his training or helping with it because they've developed that bond, which is great. Um, and Mando kind of realizing that and realizing the bond, um, between the the two was fantastic, which has been growing the relationship throughout the whole s- series and season. Um, but him kind of actually getting it down, it, it was the first time he's ever talked to him like he was a like a baby, like his own baby. He's like, "Hey, Grogu, hey, you want this? Go ahead and take it." Mm-hmm. It was kind of subtle, but like his tone of voice change. You know, you talk to little kids like that. Oh, hey, how you doing? Not the way you're going to talk to an adult or, any, or anyone else. Um, but like his tone changed and he actually felt that connection. And one of the subtle things was, is funny. He said, Hey kid, do this. And Ahsoka Tana, like in his ear, like kind of whispered Grogu, like call him Grogu, like connect with him. And that was a really touching scene, but also a really great development because that connection really drove the force with, uh, Grogu and he felt it and took the ball right away. What I thought was so great about that scene, that was one of my honorable mentions. Sorry, Jeff, I don't mean to cut you off there, but I'm going to, um, was we all can see and we can feel that relationship growing from what? Episode two, episode three of the first season. Yeah. But you definitely see how Mando is almost oblivious to that connection. Like he doesn't realize it. And in this episode, we got to really see and feel they showed us him realizing that connection 100 which i think was really cool they didn't have to tell us or it just didn't kind of happen we really saw that aha moment for him mm-hmm. which is really really cool to see yeah it was awesome yeah that was really well just the backstory on grogu's powers how he'd been like purposely hiding them and then it just kind of adds to his personality how he'll sort of 
be stubborn about how and when he wants to use them. Uh, he's honestly it, kind of a little shithead. <laughs> yes, I mean, like, a little bit, yeah. He's like, well, if you give me that little ball that I want to play with, then maybe I'll move some fucking rocks for you. With he's like, mind. I'm not going to be able to shift gears. You took that off the fucking stick shift in the spacecraft. He's like, yeah, but I want to put it in my mouth really badly. So, well, <laughs> Which okay. actually, a small note, kind of goes along with the uh, uh, sphere asphyxiation that he has. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it means, but... Go ahead. Whoever's Jeff, best scene, I'll, go. I'll leave the real obvious one for you, Banner, because I really enjoyed the campfire scene where Ahsoka Tana basically gave the exposition on kind of Grogu, how he ended up where he was, what happened yes. on Coruscant, which I hadn't even thought that. I mean, I, for some reason, his backstory prior to meeting Mando hadn't really occurred to me. But because of obviously the way that the Yoda species ages, I mean, yeah, it makes total sense that he was around for execute order 66 and was on Coruscant when all that happened. So obviously his trepidation in revealing his force sensibility is because the last time he remembers using that was when younglings all around him were probably being slaughtered and murdered. And he was like, yeah, I don't really have fun. It wasn't the most fun party I've ever been to put it that way. <laughs> 100%. That, yeah. That whole campfire scene to me was awesome. And I feel like, there haven't been enough moments, at least this season in the show, where it's kind of taken a breath to give us some character stuff. And this was an episode where I was really interested in seeing that because of Ahsoka Tana's introduction. I really felt fulfilled that they actually gave us something there. Yeah. Banner, how about you? All right. So with something we always say on this pod, guys, opening scene doesn't have to be your best scene, but, but it's got to set a tone. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, fuck. <laughs> More or less, yes. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's seven ways to skin a cat. Skin a cat. Skin uh, <laughs> a cat. Yeah, something like that. It set a tone. The way that they introduced Ahsoka to this show could not have been better. Her hiding in the fog, and you only see like her silhouette when her lightsabers come up, and you just kind of see her hand move a twig out in the distance using the Force, and her just fucking essentially that army up. Giving this town an ultimatum, or, or the magistrate, or whatever the fuck her name was, an ultimatum, and just walking off. Turning her back and walking off, knowing they're not going to fuck with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well done. I mean, yeah, it had, like, it started off with the great action, very, very well shot, and then it had came in with the great dialogue, and Ahsoka showing her that, hey, you have, you have nothing to ho- hold over my head, and I'm going to kill you when I get the chance, so your move. Also, her having two lightsabers was just so fucking cool. Like, anytime they can do something unique and different with a Jedi, because we've seen so many different iterations yeah. of them, I'm like, that's awesome. Those and the white cool. lightsaber, the white kyber crystal, so fucking cool. And and at, at the end, I'll get into, like, obviously it makes sense with her character why she has the white uh, Yes. Well, And the way that she holds her lightsaber almost backwards... Mm-hmm. And like she does that like twisty thing with her, just so well done. And again, I know we're kind of going back to acting here, but Rosario Dawson did the character justice, which I'm I was really scared that she was gonna either try and do her own thing or just kind of not do a good job. And I'm so glad I was disappointed that she did a great job. Yeah, yeah. she el- she elevated this episode to a level that uh, I didn't know this show could top itself, but it did it again. All right, guys, is there anything else? We're ready to move on to theories and questions. Oh, boy. Here we go. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Theories and questions. Uh, 
First off, I thought it was kind of interesting that Beskar Steel is equal strength or stronger than a lightsaber. I mean, I knew it was powerful, but that was I mean, like, damn. Yeah, it's not something that I had knowledge of, but I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, it's a fucking bl- deflecting blasters left and right, and nothing's really taking them out. And even, there, there was that powerful um, kind of like sniper in season one that kind of hit him, and but it just glanced off. So kind of makes sense, but yeah, it's nothing I really knew either. Because when she was offering Mando that staff, I was like, I mean, Beskar is cool, but like, is that really equal payment for killing a Jedi? But now and you see that yeah. it used throughout the episode. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's a fair deal. I yeah, felt I felt like it was one of those GameStop trades where you bring in like thirty games and they're like, we'll give you four dollars. It's like what? Okay, I'll no, go okay. fuck myself. Thank you. All right, <clears throat> I got a couple things, but we can go around, Robin. Yeah, keep, Nate, what do you keep, have? Keep riding them off. Um, yeah. Um, so let's see what we got here. Um, yeah, so one of the theories, uh, questions, theories, I really have more questions than theories coming out of this episode. I think most <laughs> of us do, but so where are they heading next? So they, they said they're going to Typhon, I, th- I believe is what the planet was. So yeah. do we know the place that Ray finds Luke at? Do we actually know the name of where he, where she goes? Uh, I, I actually, actually somebody I does, uh, yeah, but could I, this, but... could this be it? I don't think so. No, okay. I, I didn't. They said Jedi Temple, so I didn't know if that was kind of where there some there of this are quite a few hidden Jedi temples across the universe um, that was you learn Jedi, about. Was Jedi totally destroyed in Rogue One? Do I remember that correctly? Sorry, uh, I, was, I missed that. Jedi was the planet that Saw Gerrera was on, where the oh, original gotcha. Jedi Temple is. But I think that's where they like tested the Death Star. And, yeah, like, and I think that. Um, the only uh, significance to Jetta was that they were mining kyber crystals. I don't think there was actually a temple there. Well, they had all the statues of the previous Jedi. Oh, yeah. You might be right. I think that was where like, the religion was founded. But yeah. I could... So, yeah, the first thing I thought of when it was just, oh, that hey, makes take sense. Jetta, Jedi. I never put two and two together. I did huh. one time and I got five. I don't know what that means, but... Um, but I think one of the things that, uh, Sokotana says, you can have him sit on whatever the pillar or platform or whatever, which kind of made me think of where Luke sits and he, uh, transposes himself, um, when he, uh, faces Kylo Ren. So I was kind of putting that connection together. I didn't know if that's where they were going to go. I had no I, idea where Typhoon was. Typhon, Typhon. I, can I change my mind? Yeah, I think sure. they will go there because... Luke isn't necessarily there yet, right? Oh, 100% he's not there yet. He's he's still probably in the process of maybe even training Ben Solo. He's still he's still trying to kill Kylo Ren in his sleep. Yeah, that's a couple There's years a away. Understanding. But they're they're together. They're Ben Solo has started his training with Luke at this point. Um so he's not there yet, so it's probably still abandoned, maybe someone is there. Um I was talking to Banner off pod about this. How many Jedi are out there that we do know? So at this point, Luke and he's training some people, but that's about it to my extent. I don't know. You yeah, guys have chime he in. trained Leia yet? It's up in the air. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one of the questions. Um, like I said, we can kind of go around, Robin Banner. What do you got for so for so far? So I don't really have a questions per se. I granted, I have lots of questions. I just I I need to connect some dots so that I want to stay interested in this show. Throw it out uh, there. Jeff, you, you said it earlier, I believe, about where, or maybe it was you, Nate. I don't remember. I wasn't paying attention. 
how we have all these kind of ancillary secondary characters that we're meeting Boba Fett, Timothy Olivant. Now we have uh, um, Bo Katan. Bo We have uh, Ahsoka Tano. We have all these people that we don't really. I mean, even Cara Dune and Carl Weathers. We kind of <laughs> see them, but they don't. We always like just the, call him that. And I love I know it. we always call it. He's just. He Carl would Weathers. probably prefer that, though. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm Carl Weathers. I'm the man. He's like, guide. It's, it's called a brand. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, go ahead. But how are they going to get all of these people together? Right. That's the big thing is we want to see them all together. We don't want. It's not even a monster of the day. It's like a helper of the day. Right. Mm hmm. I'm going to double down and we're going to have this big ass battle royale at the end for the dark saber. Ahsoka is going to end up on the Jedi temple place that Mando and Grogu are going to now because the empire, we're going to call him the empire. I don't know who the fuck they are, but um, Moff Gideon and his clan, they're going to end up at that village that Ahsoka is essentially protecting right now because they have the tracker on the razor crest. They're going to track the Razor Quest there. Fuck that place up. Somehow Ahsoka is going to escape and she's going to figure out, oh, they're hunting Grogu. I need to help save them. And that's how they're going to come back together. And then they're going to say, hey, how are we going to protect him and essentially win this war? Mando's going to say, oh, well, hey, I've got some friends, Timothy Oliphant and Bo-Katana. They're going to call them up and say, hey, we're going to fight these people. You want the dark saber. We want Grogu to be safe. We got to work together now. Yeah. I, I mean, but my only, my only like caveat to that is how are they going to explain that in three episodes? That's what I'm saying. We have a lot of ground to cover in three episodes and the way, and again, it's not that it's impossible, but the way that this show has typically paced itself, a part of the reason is because they have so many different directors involved, which I think is a good thing. But part of the way that this show has paced itself is, that's just too much ground to cover in three episodes. I mean, he's even been... with the extended episode times that they've given us this season. Now, right. how would you feel about it could be done right, I think, and it could be done wrong, but like a quick five to seven minute montage of like rounding up the troops. Is that too cliche? Yes. No, I would not mind. Oh, no. we, we got a split decision. I mean, if, if we end up getting what Banner just described at the end of the season finale, be then, yeah, then we got to. Yeah, yeah. Cut a few corners. I'm fine with that. I just feel like they've like they've spent. I mean, essentially, each one of these characters though has gotten their own episode to introduce them, and then to bring them back, it's just going to be like, oh, hey, we need you. You come back. You come back. You come back. I feel like it's. I, I would feel a little cheated if they did that. I am interested to see how Boba Fett plays into the rest of the season because I don't know how he's getting back to Tatooine. Fucking and Boba if, Fett. I was going to say, if that's all the Boba Fett they gave us this season, then why the fuck even release... Like, like what the, the fuck? The, right, in the press release, why even put out that Tamara Morrison's coming back to play him? Like, who the fuck cares? Uh, that was like a non-dialogue four-second shot of his profile. Like that. That's. I don't even know if it was four seconds. Yeah, I mean, it would just be... And again, he he probably will come back, so I'll end up retracting this. But yeah. narratively, I don't know how we end up back on Tatooine. Based it's on, tough. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't see any reason for him to go back. I there. think it's more likely Boba Fett leaves Tatooine than we go back to Tatooine. Yeah. I guess. It's just, yeah. why, I mean, whatever. I get, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, we'll, again, we'll keep going around, Robin. I just want to bring up Ahsoka's white saber. Um, and Banner, correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason that she has the white kyber crystal is because she is essentially 
the she's like Switzerland, right? She's the neutral party. She's not a Sith, and she's definitely not a Jedi. She sees the hypocrisy in both sides, um, and she's like the end up running on the independent ticket, which I thought she's was she's a libertarian. A nice. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's why so many people like Ahsoka Tana, and I know that's one connection I have with the character is that. We always joke like, oh, the Sith have it right. You know, they're allowed to fuck and masturbate and drink and all this stuff. And the Jedi can't. Is that Which, in their creed? It's, it's like an the, unwritten rule. Yeah, it's an unwritten. <laughs> in the Jedi, they're not allowed to do any of that. And the Emperor's like, yeah, sure. Fuck Padme. Have some twins. It's all good. Do it. Do it. Should I get another beer? Do it. Do it. <laughs> uh, but she sees kind of the, the good and the bad on both sides. She goes, look. Jedi, yeah, you have a lot going for you, but you guys are also fucking stupid. And vice versa, the Sith, like, y'all are evil, but you make some good points. So yeah. she kind of connects with everybody. And... She's like the middle of the Venn diagram where the two circles mm-hmm. intersect. Yeah. Or maybe the opposite, because neither of them agree on that. I don't know. You get what the point I'm saying. Yeah, she's the big circle around the Venn diagram, and she's on the outside. I don't know. Is that a she's thing? the page that a Venn diagram is drawn on. Yeah, fair enough. She's the T chart to the left of the Venn diagram, where we just write different shit that makes sense. <laughs> she's the pie chart to my bar chart. What? Yeah, we had extra space. She has a perfect <laughs> bell curve of her of her force usability. Perfect, and the all two people that didn't uh, tune out the podcast, then thank you. <laughs> thank you for. Listening to this next part. So I didn't have a theory or anything there. I just thought it was yeah. something I want to bring up. One other one quickly, and then I'll toss this to you, Nate. So we had kind of talked about this previously. I think Nate mentioned what Jedi are out there currently. So Ahsoka, and fill in some blanks here if I'm missing anything important, but she basically instructs Mando to take Grogu to Tython, sit him up on one of the chairs in the Jedi Temple, have him reach out with the Force, and if a Jedi senses him and feels he's able to be trained, they will come. So kind of just picking up that question from earlier, what Jedi would be candidates to even sense him and come at this point? Is it just Luke? So I'm thinking this may be a good way of them tying Ahsoka back in. She senses him, says, okay, fuck, I do need to train him. I made a mistake. And then that's how they, uh, that's how she gets to the uh, uh, planet with Mando and Grogu, like Banner was saying. Interesting. I... And again, it's just because of my background in watching Rebels and, and Clone Wars. But in Rebels, um, it's actually Freddie Prince Jr. voices in Kanan. Yeah. He is a Jedi that survived Order 66, but we don't necessarily know that he's out there until Rebels comes and he doesn't show up anywhere else in, in Canon. His voice is actually in uh, Rise of Skywalker. He's one right. of the ones talking to Ray at the so end. So there's, to me, there's no, and I would be perfectly fine with this, if there's some unknown Jedi out there, not Ahsoka, not Luke, somebody that we've never even met before that feels it and comes and says, yeah, hey, I've been hiding for the last you know, five years or however long it's been since Order 66, and I will train you. I can. We need to rebuild the Jedi Temple. And he is completely unaware of what's happening with Luke, that Luke is trying to rebuild the Jedi Temple. Yeah. I wouldn't mind Kanan. I would be fine with well, both Kanan, of those scenarios. Whether Kanan's not going to come Jedi back. Is introduced. Spoiler or... alert: Kanan's dead. Hmm. Oh well. Well, but I'm just <laughs> okay. I'm using him as an example. Is we didn't know he was out there. Why can't there be another person like him out there that is 
a Jedi that survived Order 66 and has been hiding for all these years. Yeah. yeah, to me, it just seems a little weaker now if we have, like, the whole Clone Wars series, the Rebels series, uh, and there's been some Jedi that, like, this is the thing that gets him out of hiding, an infant. I agree. I don't want that. I think it's much more likely we're going to get Ahsoka back there. In fact, it's probably probable. Yeah. But we got to okay. look at it from all angles, guys. Come on. Yeah, well, I was just, again, I just wanted to put put it out there. And if you have a better one at home, please comment below. Maybe there's someone we're missing. Yeah, That's we're stupid, glue. so we may not... We... We're not the smartest people out there, but we try. <laughs> all right, Nate, how about you? I only had one last thing that I can close with. If yeah, I got, I got uh, two quick things. Um, so uh, from the scene that um, Horns took for the the best scene of the episode, um, whenever they're kind of explaining his uh, Grogu's background and everything, saying he was a Coruscant, he was actually trained by the some Jedi Masters and all this stuff, someone took him. I'm hoping that is explained. I, I would yeah. love for someone to expand on anything that they have any theories on who took him um, from Coruscant because I have no idea at this point. Because when Coruscant got attacked, Banner, was Yoda there? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Doesn't he escape with Mace Windu at some point? Well, him no, and he doesn't escape with Mace Windu got thrown out the window. He escaped with uh, Bail Organa. Uh, yeah, but yeah, him yeah, and Obi okay. had that meeting where he was like, Yoda was like, I'll take the Emperor, you go take Anakin. I can't remember if that took place on Coruscant or if they were at like a bar, like an Applebee's. I think they were on Organa's <laughs> ship. Okay. They were at like his private club <laughs> in the VIP, VIP penthouse. Yeah, and they had champagne and free mozzarella sticks. Yeah, and there's a bunch yeah. of ecstasy and prostitutes happening down below, and you just hear the... Mm, mm, Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not a good spot for a meeting but i do love uh champagne i do love champagne um so yeah that was the one thing at a question for obviously i don't think we have any really thing to grasp onto to say oh this person probably took them um and then the last thing i had was um uh, damn it i lost my notes oh so we've always kind of toyed with baby uh grogu's fate why hasn't he been mentioned in the newest trilogy? Where is he mm-hmm. at? And all this kind of stuff. Obviously, we don't want him to die. I'm thinking he might die. Now, I think he may be dying. I know, I don't want to say it, but I think if he may die. show has the balls. They, it's going to be super tricky to do it in the right way, but if, if he does it for the greater good and he's using the Force and he does it to save some other people or does it for the greater good of the rebels or anything like that. I think that's how it's going to happen. Um, it's still possible. He's out there just in hiding. Um, so Katana has been in hiding and isn't mentioned in any of the movies. So completely plausible, but I think unfortunately he might, he might perish at some point, but a lot of good. It, a lot of it depends on how they do it. Like they can't have somebody like smack him in the head and he bleeds <laughs> out. But but if or he gets like stepped on, but if he like fades away like Yoda did when he passed away, that might be more palatable for There's people. There's an at that just steps on him. Yeah, <laughs> someone like actually no, dumps like that peroxide on him. Yeah, he basically uses all of the force he has on him, and it kind of like drains his life, and that's just how he goes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stick that out there just in case it's true because then I'll feel really cool. Nice. Banner, what else you got? I don't know anything, but I'm going to do the complete, say the complete opposite of what Nate just said. I yep. think he's going to survive, 
but I think he's just going to ride off into the sunset. Him and Ahsoka are going to be a team just liberating random planets from bad people. Interesting. Because Ahsoka's not a Jedi. She says, I'm not going to train him to be a Jedi. So why can't Grogu just be a dude that has a lightsaber and can use the Force just like Ahsoka and just fuck people up? uh, Lightsaber. Nice. Yeah, I hope he gets a lightsaber. (laughs) What color is Grogu's lightsaber? That's the most important question here. Yeah, that's a good one. Yoda's was green, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, I could see him with like an orange or something. I was thinking purple in a weird way. Like a Mace Windu homage? That'd be kind of cool. Last thing I had, Banner, you'll know more about this than me, but the massive, massive mention of Grand Admiral Thrawn. I mean, this is one that Again, we say nothing is unintentional in this show. That's a big fucking name drop. And if you're listening at home and don't know, Grand Admiral Thrawn, I, I believe it's mainly in the books, but I, th- I think he shows up in Clone Wars or Rebels as well. He's basically like the number two behind the Emperor. Like running pretty much everything after Grand Moff Tarkin dies on the Death Star. And he's ruthless. He's a blue-looking individual. Um, and... In the books, he's like the main bad, basically. Like, he is the Emperor when the Emperor's not there. And for her to bring him up and ask where he is... Number one, I didn't know he was still alive at this point in this series. Uh, but number two, that's not something... This sh- If this show thinks they can tease Grand Admiral Thrawn and just leave that on the back burner, never come back to it, they got another thing coming. You want to piss off the Star Wars fan community. This would be like uh, in... Like the Shazam movie mentioning like Bruce Wayne and then like he never shows up. Like it's it's a big name drop, and I'm hoping that it pays off this season. But I don't know. Maybe that's too ambitious. What do you think, Banner? Yeah, they they would not name drop him if he wasn't showing up this season. Now it may not be till the very last episode of the season. And again, I'm I'm okay with that. I think that they, I really think they need to tie up the Moff Gideon storyline before Thrawn comes in. I also, the more I think about it, the more I think Moff Gideon is running uh, or is working for Thrawn. So yeah, Thrawn was a fairly big baddie in Rebels in the show. Not really sure what happened to him at the end of that or where he was at through the original trilogy, but he shows up uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi somewhere in that area as He's essentially the new empire or the the new emperor. You have all these moths and all these generals that are trying to be the new emperor. They want the power now and Thrawn's the dude that is ruthless enough to get it. He's a bad motherfucker. We'll just say that. And if you think Moff Gideon is bad by experimenting on Grogu and has the dark saber and cuts himself out of the, the, uh, TIE fighter, uh, he looks like a toddler compared to, to Thrawn. Thrawn is a bad, bad dude. And I I don't want him to show up until the last episode because I want him to be a main through bad guy for an entire season. That's a guy, too. Like There'd have to be some serious casting they've kept secret. I was going to say, I don't know who they would cast as him, even. Like I don't know who could play a bad, bad dude like that. I, I don't I don't know. I got no idea. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. All right, lot to marinate on here. And of course, yep. uh we're now through the we're past the halfway point. So three episodes left in season two. Should be a wild ride. 
For the American hero, Nate Thurmond, and the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad Podcast. Thank you guys for checking us out. We'll be here again to review the rest of Season 2, so be sure to check out our other reviews. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you type in bro 4 Squad as three separate words, we'll come up there. Follow us on Twitter, at Bro4Squad, and check everything out on our website that we post, Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, we gotta go fuck around with some of this Beskar steel. Imagine like forks and knives, Beskar steel. You could just like. It's like your fancy dining. Eat a I bone. Bet... You could just pick up a bone with it. <laughs> Stab I bet right they through. wouldn't like scrape across your plate. You wouldn't get that high pitchy. Yeah, because yeah, if the knife touches your plate, your plate is just gonna get sawed in half. That is yeah, true. Really? There's some, you would need there's a some issues here. Plates anything else that's true oh, now the cost just went up oh, that's something you put on like your wedding registry oh hope. for sure yeah. that's not something you buy yourself that's something you get a, you either yeah. use a gift card on or like your grandma passes it down to you as a family heirloom and it's like yeah. oh your rich aunt bought us the uh the best car uh knife set that's very nice of her that's when you're it's checking your registry every night which you'll never